The following podcast is brought to you by Pathways Church. Thanks for joining us for this message from our weekend service. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. If you have any questions or even a story to share about how God is moving in your life, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at pathwayschurch.us. Thanks for listening, and we pray that God's Word will enrich your journey today. Well, good morning, Pathways. Are you ready for tomorrow? Are you ready for Monday? I got faith that you are made for a Monday. In fact, uh, how many of you know if uh, the devil can mess with your Monday, Tuesday is going to be terrible. Wednesday, you might as well just toss out the window. By Thursday, it's all terrible. And so that's why we need to be made for a Monday. In fact, one of our, our people here at Pathways, a uh, committed follower of Jesus, uh, she got a brand new job this week. And she had told me this week, uh, she said, you know what I did, Pastor Adam? I wrote on my mirror in my mat in my bathroom that I was made for a Monday. Isn't that awesome, right? It takes some real faith. If, if you're new with us and you're thinking, what's this whole Monday thing about? Here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to take the most dreaded day of the week and turn it, flip it, so that it can be the most dedicated day of the week where there's purpose and impact. And if we're going to have purpose and impact, listen, friends, then we need to know that we serve a God who does miracles. Amen. We need to have the miraculous working in and through our lives. And, and we need to know that God, in a moment, can shift momentum such that our weeks can be designed and lived for his eternal purposes in our world today. So uh, if you uh, are new with us, I'm really excited about this message series. You're kind of coming in on part four next week. We're going to start uh, a, a new series. Actually, it's a one-off. And then in two weeks, we're going to start a new series but I'm really excited about what God is doing. You, you talk about momentum. Last weekend, we had our summer party and it was off the charts. We ate together, we hung out together. How many of you love that barbecue? We had a volunteer, some volunteer teams who did that together. We were just together and 17 people made a decision to let you know that they have a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ and really excited about that. And talking about momentum, since Easter, eight weeks ago, we have seen 41 individuals just declare their faith in Jesus Christ through, through baptism. And that's exciting. Yeah, you can cheer for that. You can praise God for that. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your commitment to love and to serve Jesus. Thank you for your service. Thank you for serving in ministry here and outside these walls. Thank you for giving. Thank you for praying. Thank you for being a part of, of knowing and being committed to God in his word and through fellowship. And, and those are some of the stories of what God is writing in the lives of hearts of individuals who are part of our faith community today. And so I'm just so thrilled that you're with us today. And I wanna ask you, to please give your attention to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, I want to share a uh, familiar passage of scripture, but I want to highlight some truths that I believe that God wants uh, me to share with you. And so specifically, I want to call your attention to verse 22. Let's look at the scripture together. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. The proof of the power and the presence of God is not the absence of the attack, but the believer's ability to withstand it. Because 
I tell you what, just because God is for you doesn't mean that something is not going to come against you. I guarantee it often will. The greater the mission, the greater the mess. The greater the anointing, the greater the attack. So you shouldn't be surprised. You shouldn't be surprised that the crowd joined in to attack Paul and Silas. But the power and the proof of God's presence is not the absence of the attack, but the ability of the believer to endure it. And let's see how they endure it. Look at the second part of verse 22. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded. He had one job, one job. He was commanded to guard them carefully. And when when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell. He thought to himself, you know, this is going to be really easy. Two little missionaries, two little preachers. I'm going to toss them in the inner cell and fasten their feet in stocks. But how many of you know that God was about to do something? There was a miracle that was going to take place. When? What time of day? Read it with me. About, About midnight. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. How many of you enjoyed hymns that we sang earlier in service? See? See, that was totally my idea. I knew the text. I knew what Paul and Silas were singing. So I'm like, I told Pastor Nathan and the team, I said, we're singing all hymns. And they're like, what? All hymns? I said, hymns, baby. Mark it down. I said, it's going to be so dope. You watch. And they were like, Why are we doing this? I said, trust me, you'll see. They were singing hymns. When? At midnight. Hymns at midnight. And the other prisoners, they were listening to them. Suddenly, somebody shout suddenly. Suddenly Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake. Are you ready for the foundations of your life to shake It's exactly what happened with the prison. The foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Today, I want to talk to you about having a miracle at midnight. If you want to be made for a Monday, for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, then you need to make sure that you have some miracles at midnight along the way. Father, I want to thank you for the message that you have placed on my heart. God, I pray that I would just relax in your anointing favor and that I would preach with confidence and authority to lift these people, your people up to your throne that they might get a fresh vision of who you are and you alone. God, I thank you that nothing can come against your people that you have not given us the ability to overcome through your name. I wanna thank you for your faithfulness. I wanna thank you for your provision. I wanna thank you for the plans that you have for our lives. And most of all, I want to thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Without him, this life would be meaningless and purposeless. But with you, God, God, with you, we have hope and joy and peace. And we thank you that we can come into your presence. Now, I pray that your word would come to pass in our midst. I pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And everyone who agreed with this prayer, shout it. Amen. Amen. All right, so... When I read to you that last scripture, that word suddenly, there's something inside of us. It just awakens our childhood imaginations. So I say suddenly, and all of a sudden, you have this idea, your expectation level is raised. Like suddenly, the prison doors flew up and their chains fell off. And maybe in your mind, you begin to wonder, man, 
Like this could be my year. Like suddenly, this year, I might get a ring on my finger. This year, I might get a raise. This year, I might get my attitude in check, my temper under control. Like this could be the year for me, the season for me. Now, none of us are as naive to think that everything can change in a moment because we've lived life long enough and we've been through too much to know that a moment is just a moment. But a moment is a powerful thing because a moment can drive momentum. And if you want to have any growth in any area of life, you need sustainable momentum. You need momentum that moves you forward. For example, you think about if you have some momentum in the area of your finances and you get on a budget, you can lose momentum in a moment. Have you ever noticed that? You can make one dumb purchase, one silly, stupid purchase, and you're spending way too much money, and it's because you're on Amazon, and Amazon made you click it, and you're like, dang. And you lost, what did you lose? Momentum. You've ever been exercising, and you've been at it for about three weeks? And all of a sudden, your wife was like, ooh, your love handles is disappearing, boy. And you're like, ooh. And then all of a sudden, you're walking out to your car, and you just roll up on that old bad ankle of yours, and what happens? You lose momentum. You break your exercise routine, and the very thing that you initiated, now you struggle to complete. Why? Because you lost momentum. Now, in the text that we looked at, you don't get the full picture and clarity, but let me give you a background. Listen, trust me. Paul, Paul had some serious momentum taking place when we come to Acts chapter 16. In fact, in the previous chapter, Acts chapter 15, he had just convened with all of the apostles and all of the church in Jerusalem. You gotta remember now, Jerusalem is where the church started in Acts chapter two. Wasn't started by a man or a woman. It was started by God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the 120, just seeking. God. He poured out his spirit. 3,000 came and the church was explosive. Went to three to five to 10,000 in a city of 40,000 right in Jerusalem. And then it shifted to Antioch, Syria. But they came back to Jerusalem and they had this big council. Imagine like a big annual church business meeting that was actually exciting. Something actually got done in this meeting. Do you know what got done? Here's what got done. It was a turning point for the church because uh, Paul and Barnabas came back and they said, these Gentiles, they're getting saved. And Peter was like, oh yeah, I remember Cornelius. That's recorded in Acts chapter 10 from the Italian regiment. He came to faith. And Paul and Barnabas were like, listen, we were in Antioch, Syria. People are getting saved. Gentiles, this is incredible. And so they made this decision that Gentiles were saved by faith alone and not by circumcision and obedience to the Old Testament law. Now, if you were an adult male, that's good news. Thank you for laughing. I was wondering if that joke was gonna fly all week. I was kind of, it worked at, at the eight o'clock or 8.30 or whatever time we meet for the early service, but I was just wondering if that was gonna fly at the 10 o'clock. That was good news. So the church commissioned that Paul and Barnabas would go out 
and they would take their second missionary journey, right? And remember last week, there was a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. So Barnabas took his cousin, John Mark, and Paul took Silas. But, but God gave Paul another answer to prayer. You talk about momentum. Paul was praying for somebody that he could train up. And so how many of you know when you pray a prayer to God, sometimes his answer comes in the form of a person? See, not only did Paul have Silas, but Paul had Timothy. And Timothy was under, this young cat was under the tutelage of Paul. And now he's being trained up to take the gospel and help transform the world by taking it to the Gentiles. Now they're on a roll. Paul's preaching good. He's got his posse. They're all together. They're moving throughout. It is, I'm talking about momentum is just driving forward. And all of a sudden, they come to this city they go to this city called Philippi. Now, uh, originally, they weren't going to go to Philippi. You can read about it in Acts chapter 16, but they had a, a vision. There was a vision of a person in Macedonia who was begging them to come that direction. And so they went to the region of Macedonia where, where Philippi was located. Now, you might have heard of Philippi. Philippi, actually, uh, 10 years later, Paul wrote a book in the New Testament. It's called the Book of Philippians, right? And the major theme of Philippians is one of joy, one of happiness. It's like Paul is so excited that he's going to share the message of what God did there at Philippi. Well, at Philippi, uh, Paul shows up and he, uh, he wants to convene and have a church service, if you will. Uh, now, in order, under Jewish laws and rules and regulations, uh, there had to be 10 married Jewish men to have an official synagogue service. But Paul couldn't find 10 Jewish men, so he went to the place of prayer down by the river, and he found a woman. Her name was Lydia. Lydia was a dyer in purple cloth. Lydia was a businesswoman. Lydia knew what it was about. She could get some things done. She knew that God was up to something. And you know what? Sometimes God doesn't need to meet your rules in order for him to move. God can move through a woman who's committed just like he can move through a man that's committed. God can move regardless of who you are, where you come from, your background or your past. If your heart is hungry for his move and his spirit inside of you, God can move. So Paul says, isn't this crazy? Now, he didn't say that. I'm just, I mean, he said something like that. That's my paraphrase. Isn't this crazy? You're here and I'm here. And, and, and what I know is what you need. And so he shares Jesus with Lydia because she's a God-fearing woman, a Gentile, but she doesn't know the way to God through the power and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Lydia comes to faith and Paul says, you know what? We should do something at your house, like a house party. And she had a big old house. And so you know what? The church in Philippi got started in Lydia's house. The book that you read in the New Testament, Philippians, is traced back to that one woman, Lydia, in Acts chapter 16, who was so hungry for God's move in her life. 
But just as all of that momentum was shifting and getting moving for Paul and Silas, which, by the way, was huge because, because now the gospel had moved from Syria, remember the maps from the last two weeks, moved from Syria to parts of Asia. Now it had gone to Macedonia, which was modern-day Europe, okay? So for all you geography nuts, I just gave you a nugget. Are you happy? Can you say, happy? Oh, we got, we got some geography people. First service, nobody was happy. So there you go. Momentum has now just shifted and the gospel is going out into parts of Europe. This is huge. This is huge. But when momentum was peaking for Paul and Silas, midnight was around the corner. Now, it didn't start like a midnight. It didn't start like a midnight. It started when they were preaching in Philippi and there was this one young slave girl who was following them around and she had this demonic gift to predict the future. She was a fortune teller, if you will. And she was harassing Paul and Silas and, and I wonder if anybody follows you around. I'm not talking about a person. I wonder if there's some voices in your head that are constantly following you around and mocking you about the goodness that you're trying to do. So she was following them around. It was going on for days on end. And Paul, man, Paul was trying to be patient. I mean, Paul, like spiritual gift of, or a fruit of patience, love, joy, peace, patience. He was trying to be patient. But all of a sudden, Paul got done. He was done. Have you ever just been done? He's like, yo, I'm done. And so he turns to her and he rebukes her in the name of Jesus. Well, she loses the power to predict the future. Now, what do you think is gonna happen to her slave owners? They're ticked when their income statement reads a lot lower, a lot less than it did before. So they take Paul and Silas to the governing authorities and they are thrown in to prison. Now, the reason that I read that scripture on the front end to you, how they were beaten with sticks and whipped and tortured and chained down to the ground, I read that up front to you because I thought to myself, you know, you know, maybe my year hasn't been so bad after all. You know, maybe my life's not so jacked up. I mean, here they are serving God with all this momentum, and all of a sudden, they're in jail, they're in prison at midnight at midnight. And you got to understand it's completely dark. There's no electricity. And darkness, darkness represents confusion. Confusion. You, you ever been in a place where you're trying to serve God and you're trying to do everything that you, you, you think he wants you to do and yet you can't get clarity on a situation? You know what that's called? That's called midnight. You've ever been trying to teach your teenagers, your kids, some biblical truth and morals and value and work ethic. You've been trying to pass on all those good parental lessons, but they ain't listening anymore because they got some new friends. That's called midnight. You've ever been in a place that's all crowded and all people around and yet you feel so lonely and isolated and you don't feel like anyone knows you or can understand you. That's called midnight. Have you ever been in a place where you're trying to push back against everything that the enemy has done in your life? All the lies, all of the past history, all of your failure, so that you don't become distrustful of people and, 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 and processes and the systems of this world. And you just think to yourself, man, I don't know if I can ever change or God can ever do anything inside of me. You know what that's called? That's called midnight. Midnight. 
You know, at midnight, everything sounds different, doesn't it? Everything gets amplified at midnight. Remember when we were kids and you're your kid, you start hearing something and you'd be like, mom, mom, somebody's in the house. Dad, dad, somebody's in the house. He's helping me preach. You know, I'll go run over to the door, I promise you. And my, my parents had like a little picture on their door. And it, it was almost like a little, uh, something you would get at kids church. It was in the sign of a cross and had my coloring on it because I was terrified of the dark. I used to always think alligators were under my bed. I would never sleep with my hand over the deal. Like I was just, I was, so I would, I would hear a noise in the middle of the night. I'd run over to my parents' room, start banging on the door. I say, mom, mom, I hear something. You know, my mom would say, true story. I love you, mom, but it, it scarred me. She would be like, go pray to Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, mom, how about you come, come and start me? Come lay in bed with me. And my dad would come out. He said, come on, Adam, just go back to bed. I'll lay down with you for about a couple minutes and then I would, Right? But noises sound different at midnight, don't they? See, I learned as I grew up that it was just the refrigerator kicking on. It wasn't a burglar. Refrigerator's just running in the middle of the night. I, I thought somebody was out in the kitchen. You know, your thoughts get amplified at midnight. See, what you could cover up with busyness and activity during the day, now your thoughts haunt you at midnight, don't they? Some voices in your head start, start hitting you at midnight. Now, it's not dark here, and it's not cold here, and you haven't been beaten. In fact, it's light, and where you're watching, in whatever state, whatever part of Appleton you are, listen, there's light here, but not for Paul and Silas. And sometimes there's darkness in our experience. Sometimes we're all alone. Sometimes we're in a confused place. Sometimes it's difficult. And so Paul and Silas, during midnight, they couldn't sleep. So they started to sing. Not just the catchy tunes, not just the popular songs, not just what was on Spotify. No, 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 no. And they weren't in a place where they could do the gritty or the whip nay nay or maybe, uh, you know, the boot scoop boogie or the tango or the salsa or the twist. They couldn't dance. But, but. But Paul and Silas, they knew some hymns, didn't they? They had something inside of them that they knew that they could sing out to. And all the other prisoners heard it. Now, now you say, how are they going to do that in the dark? That's my question. And how are they going to do that when they've been beaten? You know how hard it is when you're in pain, physical pain, and you roll up on your side and you got some bruise on your pelvis and you're like, man, I got to sing worship songs. And Paul's like, come on, Silas. And Silas is like, Paul, man, you can't even sing, bro. Your voice is horrible. And Silas is like, man, my hip is killing me. You got any Advil? He's like, bro, we don't got Advil. So I'll pray for you. He said, don't touch me, man. I'm cold. I'm tired. Get off me. Got any Gatorade? <laughs> Give me a Red Bull or something. Dear Lord. <laughs> I 
Even the baby liked my joke. Man, I am. And so they started singing. Now, here's my question. How did they sing when they had no hymnal? And how did they sing when they had no worship leader? And how did they sing when there were no lights on in the prison? And how did they say, how did they get through midnight? How did they find a miracle at midnight? How, how, could, they, how could they sing a hymn? Sometimes you have to memorize the melody in daylight so that it's in your heart at midnight. See, Listen, you can fake it during the day. Most people that you're going to meet are going to say, yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I'm a Christian. I'm all about God. Listen, trust me. What's in your heart, friends? You know why? Because it's going to come out at midnight. You're going to know if you really trust Jesus. Noontime, not a problem. Midnight, problem. Problem. You're going to really know what's inside of you. Anybody can worship Jesus on Easter Sunday. Anybody can shout about Jesus on Resurrection Sunday. I'm not worried about Sunday on Easter. I'm worried about midnight. Do you know that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you at your midnight hour? Have you memorized that verse for that time? Now, You, see, you got to imagine it with me. You got to imagine. I know, I, know it's, I know it's not dark in here, but you got to imagine. Somebody shout midnight. midnight. Now imagine if it were dark. In fact, what if I was preaching here at Pathways Church and all the lights went down? Wouldn't that be crazy? Maybe some of you would be thinking, oh, Adam, how are you going to finish your message? Like, you can't see your notes. But I need you to know that you don't need to worry about me because I got my message memorized. It's in my heart. The one thing that God brought you here today to hear is simply this, that you have to memorize his faithfulness. You need to have something inside of your heart during the day so that you can have a praise at midnight. You need to memorize the faithfulness of God, the scriptures of God. Oh, I got scriptures memorized. How about that scripture in Psalm 103? I will bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. I will bless his holy name. Oh, oh. Or what about that verse in Philippians where it says, being confident of this, that he who started, he who began a good work in me, he's going to bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. I got that memorized. I got that one memorized. Why? Because greater is he that is in me, the spirit of God, than he, the enemy that is in the world. Woo, I got that one memorized. What do you got memorized? Do you remember the faithfulness of God? Do you remember how he rescued you from the pit? How he erased all of your sin? Do you remember the fact that he was faithful when you were faithless? How he kept all of his promises. How he walked you through all those valleys. How he was with you every moment of every step, every single day of your life. You know how you can sing? You can sing in the dark. You can sing in the dark because you've seen him in the light. You can have hope in the dark because you had strength yesterday to get through that day to see his glory and his faithfulness today. You don't need to see him 
to praise him. You just need to have that melody in your heart, the faithfulness of God. Do you have some things memorized, some scriptures memorized, some truths about God that are memorized so that when you're locked up in your cell at midnight, your soul won't be shaken, but it'll be awakened with praise because you got something deep inside of you? What do you got memorized? What's inside of you? Who's inside of you? You know, I was thinking about that verse in the Old Testament, little teeny beating book of Lamentations by the prophet Jeremiah. When God's people were in exile, Babylonian captivity for 70 years, Jeremiah has this, this vision and he just writes these words. He says, but God, here's what I know. Your mercies are new every morning. Great. He says, great is your faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Come on, sing it. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Something will get unlocked in your soul. All I have needed, thy hand There's a hymn right there. There's a hymn. Great is thy pathways. Can you sing at midnight? I wish you would stand up in the dark and begin to worship him. Come on, sing that hymn. Come on, Emily. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Lift up your hands. Morning Come on, press in. Morning, Come on, declare it over your life. All that you need. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Great is thy faithfulness. Online, sing it. Great is thy faithfulness. Come on, get real big. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Come on, can we praise him together? Can you praise him? Can you praise him in the dark? Can you praise him at midnight? Can you praise him when it doesn't make sense? Can you praise him till the break of day? Can you praise him till the lights come up? Can you praise him in this moment? Can you praise him? And you praise him. Now, now, here's what I was thinking. Just, just stay standing with me. I was thinking about the real miracle at midnight. 
I was thinking about maybe the miracle at midnight wasn't the fact that they released from their chains and from prison. And here's what I mean by that. Because earlier I told you that Paul wrote, he penned that little epistle, that letter to the church at Philippi 10 years later. And he said this, he said this in chapter one, verse three or four. I don't have it memorized, but, but here's what he said. He said, every time I pray for you and I think of you, joy comes into my heart. See, Paul didn't remember his opposition. He remembered the outcome. Some of you need to forget your failures and remember God's faithfulness. So some of you need to forget about the pain and you need to remember the purpose. Paul didn't even talk in Philippians 1 about being in prison in Acts chapter 16. Why? Because the purpose of what God was doing in Philippi was now so much bigger than that one night in prison. See, maybe the miracle isn't for you just to escape. Maybe the miracle isn't for you just to get out of your addiction or to get out of your bondage or to get out. Maybe that's not the miracle. You know why I know that? Because when Paul was set free, do you know what he did? He didn't run out of jail. If that were me, I'm telling you, I love the Lord, but I would have been like, hallelujah, I sang hymns, the chains fell off. I want my Andy Dufresne moment climbing out of that prison with the raindrops on me, that TBS special. I don't, I'm free. You know what Paul did? He saw that the jailer was about to take his life and Paul stopped. Paul stopped. Now I bet you Silas was like, let's go. Come on, man. Paul's like, uh-uh. He's like, my faith is not trying to get out of Philippi. My faith is trying to get the gospel into Philippi. Maybe, maybe the miracle, oh, oh maybe, the, maybe the way that you go through your midnight is what gives you the message to share with other people who are stuck in their own midnight. Maybe the gospel gets churned up inside of you and you can say, you know why I could, I could last? You know why I endured? You know I, was, I, was, I had the ability? is because of Jesus Christ. That, that jailer came to faith. The church thrived. See, the way you respond, here's the real miracle, the way you respond to adversity, prison cells in your life, is largely dependent upon the way you remember. If you remember God's faithfulness, that's gonna help you. And that little jail cell is gonna seem so small in light of what God can do in and through you. So, as we close today, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're in a prison cell. I don't know what you're locked up in. I don't know where God wants to use you and take you, but I know that his miracle is not just meant for you, but for somebody else. And I believe that. I believe that we're gonna hit next week and the week following. I believe that the best days in front of your life, in front of my life, our church life, they're ahead of us, not behind us. I have faith for that. I have faith for what he wants to do. And so I just wanna pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for brothers and sisters of mine, children and teenagers who are seeking you and love you. God, I pray, I know some are locked up in a cell right now and it seems so dark and confusing. I pray in the name of Jesus, 
in a moment shake the foundation. But beyond that moment, give them the endurance to see a shift in momentum as they saturate themselves in your word and among God's people, serving and in small groups and in community and obeying your word, abiding in you. Now, God, I pray for those of us who have been set free from our prison. We're on the other side of midnight. The clock has changed. The dot has disappeared on the clock and morning has come. Help us declare your mercy, your kindness, and your goodness to those who are trapped in a midnight. Oh God, the love and care and grace, and freedom and forgiveness because of your son, Jesus Christ. In fact, you might be here today watching online and you have never experienced the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. And he's here right now by his Holy Spirit. He's speaking to your heart and you need to make a decision. Today, don't waver. Today is the day of salvation. Don't push it off. God's calling you. He's speaking to you. And today, you need to come to faith. You need to surrender your life. You need to repent of your sin. If you're here today and you want to make a decision for Jesus Christ, would you just slip up your hand right now with every head bowed, every eyes closed? Yep, I see one. I see another one. Who else? in the room. If you're online, you just tell somebody, type it in. I'm going to give another moment in the room. Anybody? Mm. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your kindness, your grace. It's your kindness that leads to repentance. Mm. All right, can we say this prayer together in full voice as one church? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me for meeting me in my midnight, in my sin. You didn't run from me, you came toward me and your son hung on a cross for me. So forgive me of my sin, come into my life, change me so that I might be more like you, to love people the way you love them. In Jesus name. And everyone who agreed with this prayer, shout it. Amen. Hey, can we celebrate some individuals who gave their hearts to Christ today? What a fantastic day. Come on, lift up a praise to God. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you.